Hi, this is What You Say in English, Season 3, Episode 6. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me in another episode of What You Say in English, the podcast in which I listen to you and give you my professional feedback. First, I'd like to apologize for not uploading the episode this week. I mean, this last week that just finished. I guess we all come down with some kind of virus from time to time. And this weekend was no exception in my case. Also, I'd like to reiterate my comments from the week before, you know, my last episode about Tenoch Huerta's English skills. I, I can't say for how long he's been learning English, but what is true is that he has absolutely zero problems when dealing with TV interviews in English. I may do a follow-up episode in the future and see how much he's learned. I think it's very interesting to analyze the progress I did an episode before with Vanessa Paradis, Johnny Depp's ex-wife, and I think it was interesting to see how much she has improved and how good she has become as an English speaker and as a role model for anybody out there. Of course, I, I may do the follow-up with Tenoch Huerta. I'm, I'm sure that he has a bright future ahead. He's a, a very intelligent guy, and I'm sure he'll get to the same level of proficiency as other fellow actors, uh, Mexicans, in, in this case, for example, as Salma Hayek. Her English is just amazing. and Or, in the same way, Penelope Cruz speaks English. I'm commenting all this because that episode has had a lot of plays. For some reason, this week, there's been an incredible growth in listenership. And I'm very happy. It makes me wonder whether I'm doing something good. I mean, I know that I've gotten a lot of wonderful feedback from people saying that they really enjoy my podcast and, and they learn a lot. And I don't only want this podcast to be accessible to students, but also to teachers who want to become more confident when they have to give feedback on speaking skills. One of the things I didn't comment on about that episode it was how Tenoch didn't pronounce some consonant clusters. And this is what today's episode will be about, consonant clusters. What's interesting is that even native speakers simplify consonant clusters all the time. Did you know that in general, it takes children several years to master different clusters? Now, there are so many consonant clusters in English. Some are obvious and some are hidden And that's one of the reasons why they are challenging for children, let alone non-native speakers of English. But what is a consonant cluster in English? It doesn't matter what language. I mean, it, in any language, there are consonant clusters. A consonant cluster is two, three, or four consonant sounds in a row. In the case of Tenoch Huerta, when he gave his interview with Jimmy Kimmel, Of course, there were some consonant clusters regarding the past tenses. And when we make past tenses, it's very hard for us to really differentiate, for example, make the difference between love in the present and loved in the past, because there's a cluster at the end 
there's a v in that d, loved. Or when we say he asks questions, there's another consonant cluster. And of course, when we have to say ask in the past, it's a little more complicated. It's asked. There's a k and the t sound together. And these are consonant clusters. Examples of these clusters with two consonant sounds, for example, are the BL, for example, bull in black, or the SK as in desk, the SK, and the PT at the end of help, when, you, when we say helped. Examples of clusters with three consonant sounds together are, for example, string, S-T-R-I-N-G, string, or the S-K-S cluster in words like tasks. They're very difficult to say. And if you speak quickly, sometimes those clusters are reduced in, in, in many ways. And another cluster with three consonants is the K-S-T, as in 60. We have to say 60. So there's an, I know there's an X, but the, remember the X is pronounced as two consonants together. It's the K and the S sound. So we say 60. Examples of clusters with four consonant sounds in a row are, for example, the K-S-T-S, as in texts. This is really hard. Or the M-P-S-T, as in glimpsed. We have to say four consonant sounds together. And trust me, it's not easy. So in this episode, I'll try to cover why pronouncing consonant clusters clearly is important for speaking clear English, regardless of accent. Remember that we're not here to promote an accent in particular, just to promote intelligibility. And sometimes intelligibility can be compromised if you don't do the consonant clusters appropriately. I'll guide you through which consonant clusters are difficult for English learners and even for some native speakers and how you can improve them. I will use, in this case, five sentences that I think will reflect areas where you can improve. You can also test yourself and see if you need help with this area and what's called articulatory phonetics. It's just the area of phonology and phonetics that deal with the way you articulate sounds, the way you use your muscles and your organs in the mouth to produce sounds. Stay tuned, and I'll continue after the break. So here's the first consonant cluster. Listen to the sentence carefully. On my first trip, I traveled the length and breadth of Sri Lanka. The sentence says, On my first trip, I traveled the length and breadth of Sri Lanka. And there are quite a few consonant clusters that are difficult to pronounce in this sentence. The first one, of course, is first trip. 
And it makes sense to make one T in this case. We don't say first trip. We say first trip. So there's a combination of different consonant sounds between the first word and the second word. We have the R, the S, and the T. That T is joined by the first T in trip. And there's, of course, the T and the R. So in total, you have one, two, three, four consonant sounds. First strip, first strip. The second cluster, which is difficult to pronounce, is traveled the, traveled the. So we have the L, the D, and the sound from the following word. So we say, I traveled the, I traveled the. And we have the clusters of the two nouns, length and breadth. And of course, the name of the island, Sri Lanka. And of course, that Sri is a little difficult. Some people pronounce it as Sri. Other people pronounce it as Sri. In my case, I pronounce it as Sri Lanka. So it's very hard to pronounce these clusters. When you say it quickly, it's very normal to drop some consonants. And I would say, on my first trip, I traveled the length and breadth of Sri Lanka. I don't pronounce actually the traveled because of the sound that continues. After the traveled, we have the. I traveled the. So there's an, uh, we, we call that assimilation. You know, the, the pronunciation of the the assimilates the D at the end of traveled. So it makes sense. Mentally, of course, we know that the sentence is in the past. So our brain makes up for that loss of sound. I don't know if it makes sense, but this, this is, this is some weird things that the brain does when we listen to the sentence, we make sense of it. And we think that there's a D, even though we don't actually release it. Uh, you might probably hear it very weak as a weak sound, but other people just, they never bother saying the D at the end of traveled. So I would say going back to Tenoch Huerta's pronunciation in, in the last episode. I would say that he got into that mode of thinking that some D sounds in the past tenses are usually dropped because when you speak quickly and when you join sentences, it makes sense that we drop them. But of course, in some situations when there's a vowel sound, there's a linking. So for example, if we say, I loved you in the past, I loved you. There's a U, so that U would immediately tell me that there's a D before loved you, and we know that it's in the past. As in opposition to I love you, which is in the present. Of course, there's, there's a difference in pronunciation. So you can practice with this sentence. is on my first trip, I travel the length and breadth of Sri Lanka. The second sentence is a little more complicated. It's actually one of the words that I have personally, I have difficulties with, and it's the combination of the TH sound at the end of a word in ordinal numbers and the word sense. It's the sixth sense. And when I have to say it quickly, I always stumble. And for me, it is just easier to drop a little bit of that cluster. It's very difficult to say. So the sentence is, scientists say that humans' sixth sense can be explained. Of course, I said it 
very slowly. So listen to a native speaker say the sentence. Scientists say that human sixth sense can be explained. So let me start breaking down the sentence for you. The first cluster is found in the first word, scientists. We have the S, the T, and the S. And then we have the initial S from the word say. Of course, in this case, we only produce one S sound. We may probably make it longer, and we say scientists say... I don't know if you got it, but I will repeat it. Scientists say, so you can elongate, you can make it longer, but you have to pronounce, you have to make the S sound and then stop it with a T and then release it again. It's very tricky, but when you say it, people start noticing that your pronunciation is actually improving, especially with this tricky consonant cluster. Let me repeat this sentence again. Scientists say, and this is the beginning. Then we have humans, sixth sense. And we have humans, and of course humans has an apostrophe because it's it belongs to the humans, the sixth sense that belongs to the humans. So we say human sixth sense. That's actually very tricky. You have no idea how many times I've repeated this. <laughs> it's funny to say, but trust me, it's not an easy thing to say. So human sixth sense can be explained. It's very, very difficult. So human sixth sense, human sixth sense can be explained. And of course, we have the final cluster in the past tense of explain. We have explained, explained the N and the D sound. Okay, so saying the full sentence, it would be, scientists say that human sixth sense can be explained. Hmm, that was hard. So stay tuned, don't go far away, because after the break, we will have the three last sentences. For this second part, I have three more sentences, and I hope that they're not so difficult for you to say. Let's uh, take a listen to the first sentence. Last February, meteorologists measured the temperature in the forests in the Arctic Circle. There are many consonant clusters in this sentence, but I will, of course, break it down for you so you can understand one by one and how we can improve our fluency by reducing those consonant clusters. We don't necessarily have to pronounce exactly every consonant sound to gain fluency and to still have intelligibility. Let's begin with the first two words. Last February. In my case, and this is going to be interesting for you, the way that month of the year is pronounced varies across the English-speaking world. In my case, I would never pronounce the R after the B. So I would not say February because that's a very difficult consonant cluster. So many, many native speakers pronounce February. Take a listen to five clips from five different films and listen to the way people say the expression last February. Last February, 
we were at 66 a share. It was 15 years ago, last February 3rd. I didn't, by any means, deserve to be chosen. Last February, two were found without noses. Last February, but the rains came and our money ran out. A while ago, last February. So you can clearly hear that a lot of people would never pronounce the R and they would say February. I actually say it myself, February. I never pronounce the R after the B. By the way, if you want to know what the films were, the first one was Too Big to Fail. It's a 2011 film with James Woods. The second one is The Grass Harp. It's a 1995 film with Piper Laurie. And the next one is Gerald's Game. It was, I think it was a Netflix film with Carla Gugino. And it was a, supposed to be a thriller. And the next one is Face to Face. It's a 1990 TV film. And the last one was In the Land of Women with Adam Brody. So just to, if you want to take a look at the films. By the way, I found these clips by using a wonderful website called playphrase.me. I will put the link in the episode's description today so you can, you know, find words and expressions from films and TV films in which, you know, the, the sequence, the, the word, the expression is said. Okay, it's a wonderful, wonderful tool. So continuing with the original sentence, last February... Meteorologists measured the temperature of the forests in the Arctic Circle. But we have to continue. Actually, we have a lot to break down. The following word is meteorologists. Meteorologists. And we have at the end the STS cluster. Meteorologists. It's actually quite hard to say. Meteorologists measured the temperature. So we have the past tense of measure, and we say measured. Meteorologists measured the temperature. Okay. So it's very hard to say the STS, but remember that you can do it with practice. Last February, meteorologists measured the temperature. I think the only assimilation is when we say measured the temperature. So we have the the after measured might probably assimilate the D after measure uh, just a little bit. So we say measured the measured the. So there's, we drop the D a little bit. We might want to make a stop. Remember that whenever we speak, we can speak by using chunks. We can separate information into edible chunks. <laughs> I, I like to call them edible, but it's actually understandable chunks. So you can have, you can give time, you know, for the listener to digest whatever we say in English. And the final part, which is in the forests, in the Arctic Circle, we have a little, uh, we have, it's a little complicated here because we have to say the STS in forests, but we have Arctic Circle. It's actually Arctic, Arctic. So there's a K sound, then the k at the end of arctic, and then circle. Arctic. Arctic. 
normally you would um, hear a lot of native speakers dropping a little bit the Arctic. They would make a little stop, but they would not actually pronounce the k sound very strongly. Let's take a listen to some native speakers. Crocodiles swam the waters of the Arctic Circle. This one. And we're near the Arctic Circle. We're just a few miles south of the Arctic Circle in Chishmarap here. Has potential to cause friction in the future, especially since melting ice caps makes the Arctic Circle an ever increasingly attractive place for trade. Lapland is within the Arctic Circle and therefore of the Arctic Circle in Norway. Uh, the coastline. We're in this tiny remote fjord just inside the Arctic Circle. Take a journey from the Arctic Circle at minus 40 degrees. Stop it. Above the Arctic Circle and we're overlooking the Kotzebue Sound. Including Australia as a continent. And um, most of Greenland is above the Arctic Circle. Um, most of Greenland is covered by an... So while most people would pronounce Arctic, 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 just to make it a little more slowly, they would make a little stop. They would say Arctic. But some other people would just ditch, like forget about this, that C sound, and they would say Arctic, Arctic, as if there's no consonant whatsoever in that place. Now, the fourth sentence is this one. Take a listen. He asks exactly what we need to know about the nuclear program. Let me say it. He asks exactly what we need to know about the nuclear program. And in the first two words, important two words, we have asks and exactly. Now, in the case of asks, we have to do the S, the K, and the S. This is an area that has a way to tell where a person is from, usually. In America, in the United States, a lot of the African-American vernacular English uh, this is black English in general. Normally, speakers of that variety of English, they would have a very special feature in which people can recognize easily, depending whether they can say asks or not. And they would pronounce asks, he asks, as the instrument that we use to cut trees. We, we use, you know, axe. He asks. So they would forget about, they would not pronounce the S before the K sound. He acts. And this is a common thing across the United States. You would hear a lot of people, and there's a lot of misguided um, information about it. It's just a legitimate feature of that variety of English, and it's completely valid. Of course, if you want to make yourself understood, it's completely normal. I don't think that there's a problem with that, of course. If you want to say acts, because it's very difficult for you to say, you have to make sure that the context can complement to, to whatever you say. I don't have any problem saying asks. I know that it's a little tricky, and even some native speakers of English have a little bit of difficulty saying that consonant cluster. But, you know, that's the way it is. We say, he asks exactly. Now, the word exactly. We have, and if you look at the spelling, we have the C, the T, the L, and then the Y. But we don't pronounce the T. We normally say exactly, cle, 
we don't pronounce the T. A lot of people would complain and say that they do pronounce the T. I'm talking about native speakers of English, but if you pay attention closely, you would hear that they say exactly with a K sound and the L sound directly without pronouncing the T. Okay, so let's take a listen to some examples. That's exactly what they take. Wait, what exactly are reserved seats? What exactly did you think they were going to do? Not exactly. Not exactly. His name's Schiff Thomas. So from now on, you can just say exactly. You don't have to pronounce the T. Now I decided to include the last cluster. It's not really problematic because a lot of native speakers of English would not have a problem saying nuclear. You know, nuclear. There's the K, the L, nuclear. But I think it's interesting because a lot of people, and I'm including one famous president of the United States, they would pronounce nuclear and they would instead of saying two syllables nuclear they would pronounce nuclear now this is interesting because it's there the people from merriam webster explained a while ago in one of their videos ask the editor that it's not really a bad way of talking it's just another way of parsing pronunciation or trying to produce a consonant cluster that would go in tune with other words, common words in the English language. Because the chances of pr producing that nuclear cluster is not actually very common. We only have two other words. I think one of those words is cochlear. You know, when you talk about the organs inside the head that are part of the a hearing system. We say it's cochlear. Actually, we have a, a name for a kind of implant that a lot of deaf people get, you know, in, installed into their brains, which is the cochlear implant. And it's understandable that some people, and the president is George W. Bush, he could never get to say nuclear. Take a listen to this clip from when he was a president and listen to the way he says nuclear. He actually says nuclear. But we do care about the suffering of Iranian people. There is common agreement that the Iranians should not have a nuclear weapon, the capacity to make a nuclear weapon, or the knowledge as to how to make a nuclear weapon. Of course, he says nuclear very quickly, but you can still make it up. You can still hear that he said nuclear. He didn't say nuclear. And by the way, his surname? George W. Bush, W, it's, we reduce that cluster and we say W, W. Bush. We don't usually say W, even though when we say it very slowly, we say the W, we would say W because it's, you know, it's kind of a tricky cluster to say very quickly. So you can see even a very educated native speaker would have problems with some consonant clusters. And the last sentence that I have for you today is this one. Pay attention. She liked two different tasks, washing her clothes and resting in the summer months. I'll repeat the sentence. She liked two different tasks, washing her clothes and resting in the summer months. And in this case, I just want to call your attention to two different clusters. The first one is 
like in the past. Liked. Liked. We have to produce the K and the T sound. And the other one is clothes and months. They're different. I mean, I would say that they're different uh, because exactly they're not exactly the same sounds, but I will group them together because it's basically an interdental sound, the TH sound. One is voiced and the other is voiceless, but they work in the same way, especially when we use them making plural nouns like clothes and months. And we have to make the TH sound and then the S sound. They're very tricky. So let's start by, you know, with the first one, liked. This is one particular cluster that a lot of native speakers reduce enormously. They don't usually pronounce the K sound, but they would make the T sound. And basically to make it differently from the present simple, like. So to say I like it with a K sound, I would say it in the present. But if I say I liked it, I'm not exactly pronouncing the K sound, but I'm still pronouncing the T. I liked it. I liked it. So, you would hear a lot of native speakers saying liked it, not really saying the K. They would reduce it enormously. They would, you would still make it, uh, make it possible to hear, but they would reduce it enormously. So, this is a way in which you can simplify and improve your fluency in, at the same time. Let's take a listen to some movie clips in which people say liked it in the past. Can't say I liked it much. You liked it, she said. You used to be so ambitious and yeah, you really liked it. I thought you liked it better like this. I think Stuart would have liked it. So if you play it again, you would hear liked it, liked it. You could hear exactly that the uh, native speakers don't actually pronounce the K sound. They would say liked it. They would pronounce just the T. Now in the case of clothes, and months, normally, and this is very interesting, many native speakers would not pronounce the TH sounds. And months would sound like months, and clothes would sound like clothes. This is very interesting, at least in American English. I'm not really acquainted with British English and how, uh, especially because in Britain, there are so many different accents and in you travel you literally travel from one village to the next village and you would change the accent completely. In the United States, that doesn't happen really. I mean, you can you have to travel basically from coast to coast to hear a different accent. Um, but generally in America, what people would say clothes and months. They would never pronounce the TH sound. And this is, of course, if you want to improve your fluency. Let's take a listen to some examples in which people pronounce the two words. We need food and water. Change clothes would be nice too. You're always in the same clothes, sleeping outside. Your clothes never wear as well the next day. I think the clothes are happier there. I'll even wash your clothes. So you can clearly hear that the word is, sounds more like clothes, not really like clothes, you know, as if you close the door. Of course, the context will let you know that we are not talking about the verb clothes. We're talking about clothes as in, you know, things that you put on your body, you wear on top of you. And now listen to the way people say months. 
Think of all you could do with 18 months of clean streets. It's just that I know that in the coming months, we're all going to need portable wealth. A couple of months ago, you'll be right, not anymore. 13 months to the day since Gandalf sent us on our long journey. We found ourselves looking upon a familiar sight. I had run for three years, two months, 14 days, and 16 hours. Ooh, if you're a little bit like me, you could recognize Frodo talking about Gandalf in the movie version of The Lord of the Rings. Of course, one of my favorite films of all time. But you can hear the way they said months. They don't actually pronounce the TH. So this is just to give you an example in which ways native speakers reduce many consonant clusters. Of course, they're important, but they don't have to be pronounced exactly as in the spelling. You just have to fine-tune your ears and really pay attention to the way people say the consonant clusters. Which ones do you find difficult? And listen carefully and see if you can imitate the way they say them. Of course, native speakers, even non-native speakers, because they always struggle also with these things. And they, they can be a very good role model because if they conquered it, I mean, if they made it possible for them, of course, it's going to be possible for you. So this is the end of today's episode. Thank you very much. I also apologize. I want to say that I want to apologize for not uploading an episode last week because, I mean, if you could hear my voice, it was completely gone. And still even, you can probably hear that my voice is not really well rested. Um, I also have to work during the week and I had to do, this was a very intense week for me because we've had a lot of exams. I was not only working as a speaking examiner, but I was also working as an invigilator. And of course, you have to read aloud instructions to candidates and all those things. And of course, my regular classes, of course. And when you have rowdy children in the classroom, you have to raise your voice a little bit. But here I am. I'm bringing you some new material so you can improve on your speaking skills. In this case, of course, we talked about pronunciation and how to improve your consonant clusters production. In future episodes, I would like to focus on other aspects. And remember that it's not going to be only about speaking. It's going to be also about reading skills or writing skills. And I will also have other people join me in the podcast with conversations, with mock exams, and a whole lot of other things that I'm sure you're going to love them. And thank you very much for your support this last week. My listenership has increased exponentially. I don't know what happened. Somebody did something. And I even received messages through the platform, through the Anchor platform. Remember that you can leave messages. I think it's one minute. The recording is one minute. Somebody sent one recording, but I couldn't make out exactly because I think that the quality of the microphone was not really good. I, I tried to edit the audio and showcase it in today's episode, but it was not possible. It was just, you know, impossible. The person who read it, who sent the message, read an extract from a book. And I actually found the source of the book. I mean, that where that person got the text from. And I could rescue, but the problem was that when you edit the audio so heavily, it becomes almost 
inhuman. Like <laughs> that the voice doesn't come from a human, that it sounds like it comes from a robot. So in the end, I decided not to include it today. So to that person, can you please, please send it again? Try to record yourself reading aloud with a be better microphone. Reading aloud is a very good practice uh, skill. I mean, it's a technique that you can pr uh, practice yourself if you want to improve your fluency and your pronunciation. Exactly pronunciation. I would say intonation and pronunciation can be improved by reading it loud. So thank you very much once again. Um, I'm so happy that you join me every week. And I promise, well, I can't promise that, but I promise that I will try to be as constant as possible. And, you know, even, even if it's something really, really bad that happens to me, I will at least produce something really short so you can, you know, have your weekly dose of what you say in English. So thank you very much. And until next week, bye-bye.